You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right, I'm going to get into my message. There was a couple of things that I wanted to uh, share that um, I'm not going to. At, at a different time, I will. Um, and uh, some things the Lord's put on my heart, but I want to kind of stick to the point. That's what happens when you take like two weeks off. You just come in and you're like, the Lord's you just got a lot of stuff to share. Um, and so what I'm going to share with you today is something that uh, it's, it's a twofold thing. First, I believe it's going to begin, it will speak to people who have walked through a sustained period of fear, a sustained period of fear. And I'm going to talk personally, and it's something that I've been very open with you guys about. I've talked a lot about, but I, I want to talk to you about the journey that I walked through, my personal journey I walked through with this over the last year and a half. And some things, more importantly, that the Lord showed me. But this is why I want to do this. It's, it's not, part of it is because God is the God, the Psalm 23 God that walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. That he walks through us with us in the most painful times of our life. And he does something that's just quite amazing. He, the scripture says he establishes a table there in the presence of our enemies. And, and for us, many of us, our enemy has been fear, right? We've, we've, we've felt that, that pain or something in our past that's lingered, something that we're fighting against, that we're, we're looking for a breakthrough and trying to hear God. And God is that God. He is the God. Even though sometimes our circumstances and the situation doesn't change, He is still very much with us, leading us, guiding us, and even giving us peace. And that's the most amazing thing. But I also want to uh, preach this message today from this position as a church that there needs to be a time uh, where we set a memorial place that in spite of the things that we're walking through, we establish the truth of God in our life. Now here's the thing, and I want everybody to hear me on this, is that even though our situation doesn't change, it does not change the promises of God. Even though our situation sometimes doesn't shift, it does not change the truth that we have to anchor and establish the truth of God in our lives so that when we want to go backwards, we see it and we stop. All right? Why? Because God is always moving us forward. He really is. He is always moving us forward. Now, sometimes it is a very gentle, slow pace, and sometimes it's a brisk walk, and sometimes it's a sprint. And God is, understands where we are, and he's not, he does not lack gentleness. He is not cruel. He doesn't drag you along when you're not able to run, but he is always moving you forward, okay? So just a, a brief background on this last year um, and a half, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Most of you know um, that uh, in May of, of 2017, um, I, I found out that I was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease. I have one kidney, all right? But we've all been down that road, okay? You've, you've heard me say that. I, I realized that from that place that an, an amazing amount of fear gripped me. Like, I've never been gripped with fear before. Now, isn't it funny that it takes sometimes these things that shatter us, that, that, that have the opportunity to shatter us, that cause us to realize how strong we really are. And in my life, this is what that did. It just began to, to really, really challenge some areas of my life. 
And from this place, what happened is I um, made some agreements with fear along the way. And let me be very blunt, okay? That what I did, when we choose to make an agreement with a lie, this is what the scripture calls it, is a stronghold. See, the enemy doesn't force his way in and come and get you and, and take up residence in your, your mind or your soul. He can't. If you're a son or daughter of God, he cannot. And the only position you can give the enemy is when a lie comes in at the threshold of your door and you say yes. But you understand that that lie opposes the truth of the word of God. And when that happens, the more you agree with that lie, you are fortifying as it would be brick by brick, a stronghold around that, so that when the truth comes back into your life, it's harder to receive the truth. And this is what I did. And this is what the Lord had to heal me from. And this is what even, I'm going to say this for me, not for you, what I had to repent from. I had to say, Lord, I'm sorry. But I want to share with you just a couple of things and. And the first thing that I realized is this, and don't, don't, don't pay attention as much to the screen. I want you to listen from your heart today. Because one of these things, I doubt every one of these things is going to hit home with every person here. But one of these things might. So wherever you take notes, on your phone, just don't jump on Facebook and start Facebooking while I'm speaking, please. Just take your notes on your phone or in your Bible, wherever you take your notes, just just listen with your heart, and, and whatever the Lord speaks to you, write it down. I began to really resonate with a, a story in, in, in Mark 4, a familiar story. I preached off of it um, a while back. But this, this picture, something that I was super familiar with, most of you are too. It's where Jesus is in the boat, he's sleeping, and, and, and he and his disciples are going across the lake there. And, and then a, a wild, a furious squall, the scripture says. I just, I love that term. I think I would name like a sports team that, the furious squalls. And, and, and the scripture says a furious squall came, and they're about to drown. They're about to die, and Jesus is sleeping. Cruel Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the storm. And the disciples get so frustrated, they, they are exasperated, they, they do this statement. And, and, and in reality, I, I've read this hundreds of times, but this really just began to just drive home to me, this, this picture, because I identified for the first time with the disciples. The disciples wake them up and they say, Master, Rabbi, Teacher, one who has authority over us. Don't you care that we drown, a.k.a. die? Drowning is dying. And when you look at that word care, what you see is this, is they're saying, Jesus, don't you care about my life? Let, let me phrase it a different way. Jesus, are you just always, the only thing you're worried about is eternity. Do you care what happens between now and death? And so Jesus does what Jesus does. He gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves. Everything calms down. He rebukes them. You have little faith. And they look at him and they say, surely he is the son of God because he controls the winds and the waves. It shifted who they were, but Jesus stood up. And in an essence, this is what he said. He said, look, not only do I have the authority to stop the storm, but more importantly, I want you to know that I care. 
that I care. And this is what I encountered. I encountered the God who cares. I encountered the God who sees me in the midst of my pain. I encountered the God who understands the ups and the downs, the struggle with fear, but yet desires to bring me to the other side to rebuke the storm and the wind in my life. But yet in the midst of it, he's not wanting to make a huge display. He wants to draw me to his heart and say, I care. It's wonderful. Okay, so a couple of things. All right, here we go. A few lessons. The first lesson that I had to learn was this, deeply practical. I had to stay connected. I wanted to withdraw. I had to stay connected. I had to stay connected. James 5.16 says this, very powerful, powerful passage. It says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It's amazing because this is the only time in Scripture that the Bible gives us permission to go in the context of community to confess our sins. Not because individuals have the power to forgive sins. A man does not have the power to forgive sin. A man does not have the power to forgive sin. In case anybody's listening. Jesus does. But here is what the scripture is saying, that the way that we become whole, the way that we get healed, the way that our soul begins to unpack the burdens of life is in the context of community. But inevitably, when fear knocks at our door, it pushes us into the corner and desires to isolate us. But God's design to bring healing to us is extremely practical because it's found in the context of his body, the church, and the community therein. And so we have to stay connected. Why? Because being connected allows us to unburden our souls. Every one of us need to unpack the the, the junk of life. And the safest place to do that is in the community of Christ. You're going to unpack your junk on Facebook, and nobody's going to care. You're going to unpack your your junk to somebody, and and I promise you, if they're not connected to Christ, they're going to have just as much junk, and instead of listening, what's going to happen is they're going to try to unpack, unload their junk on you, and now you doubled your junk. The context here is this, is that we have to have a place where we unburden our soul. But the important, another important aspect of staying connected is this, is that it relates you to truth other than your own truth. Here's what I found is that I was constantly stuck in my own thinking. I was constantly listening to my own version of truth concerning my flesh, concerning my future, concerning all these things. And, and, and as long as I stayed in my own little sphere, as long as I listened just to what's in my head, I wasn't relating to anything that was true other than what I was thinking. And see, the thing about truth is this, is that oftentimes when we are feeling pushed up against or we are fighting something like fear, what's taking place is that we're not really hearing the truth. And the context of community actually allows us to hear truth in a way where we can receive it. We began to hear others speak the word of truth. 
We begin to receive the encouragement that comes from truth. And even we're challenged in the area, in the area where maybe we need to change our thinking. But it's in such a way that it begins to heal us. In the context of community, what else happens is this, is that compassion is released. And these three things that take place within community, the unburdening of our soul, our ability to relate to what is true and compassion, these things heal our soul. They fulfill what James 5.16 says. The first thing I had to understand is that I could not disconnect. I had to stay connected. And let me just make a plug really quick for our small groups. I am so profoundly thankful for the small group that I meet with on Wednesday nights. These guys have become brothers and encourage, the, the, encourage me a lot. I was going to say encourage the pants off me, but they don't. They encourage me a lot. I'll give you guys a chance to laugh. That's why you need to be connected. All right, number, number two, the second thing that, that I learned is this. Is this, is that I could not, I could not be offended with God. I could not be offended with God. And I began to realize that I, I, I had built an offense with God. And I didn't even quite realize where it happened. I'm going to be very vulnerable with you guys. There were a series of things related to physical life that took place in my family and people that I loved dearly that I had never processed and allowed the Lord to fully heal me from. And in my heart, I reserved this thought. I don't understand, and part of me doesn't think it's fair. And when it came to my doorstep, Immediately, I was challenged with this. To say, God, this is what happens when we serve you. Look, I don't know if this is resonating with anybody or not. I hope it is. But I want you to really hear this because I'm going to show you in the scripture somebody who was so close to Jesus who got offended with him. But in my, in my heart, I was like, God, is this, is this what happens when you serve you? And so this is what the Lord showed me. In Matthew 11, there's an interaction between John the Baptist's disciples and Jesus. And John is in prison. He is about to be beheaded. And he sends his disciples to go to Jesus with this question. And they say to him, in Matthew 11, 3, they, they ask him, Are you the one to come or should we expect someone else? Now you've got to remember, John was the guy who leapt in his mother's womb. As the Holy Spirit touched him and he carried this message and the message was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. He's saying the Messiah, Jesus Christ, has come. He was there at the day he baptized Jesus. He knew who he was. But he's in a moment of weakness where his life is about to leave him and he is caught at a crossroads, and it's an insanely human moment, a beautiful moment, because we see the tenderness of Jesus here. 
Because what Jesus does is this, is he takes John's disciples around and he shows them the work of the kingdom on earth. And then he looks at them and says, go and tell John everything that you've seen and heard today. And then he turns to the crowd there and he turned to me, he turns to you and he looks through time to everybody who's ever hit this crossroad. And he says, blessed are those who are not offended on account of me. Wow. So Jesus, I got offended. And here's why we can't be offended with God in these times. Because our offense will turn us into a victim. Our offense will turn us into a victim. Instead of seeing care in the love of God. And believe me, believe me, believe me, believe me, uh, this process was not something that was one and done. And I don't want to insinuate that by any means. That, that I, I, you know, all of a sudden it was like, boom, no. I processed these things and I said, God, look, help me in my struggle here. Help me in this place. Help me to see your care. Help me to let this go. Help me to understand. The third thing was this, is I had to learn to listen, really listen, to listen, to really listen. And I love this phrase, because we all understand the importance of listening, but do we really listen? Do we really listen? What had happened to me is that in this season of, uh, that I walked through, at different places, I, I shut down my ability to listen. And I realized that when I would have people that God put in my life, people who loved me, people that I would seek out and say, help me in this. My own wife, where she would, she would speak to me these things that I wasn't really listening because here's what listening involves. And I, and, and I want you to please hear this is that listening is not just hearing. See, listening is hearing. It's weighing what you heard. It's considering it. And then if it's true, to do it. See, listening is a complete action. Listen to what Jesus said about listening. Here in the parable of the wise and the foolish builders in Matthew 7, 24, he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is a wise man who built his house on the rock. There were times my wife would have to grab my face and look at me because I was shuddered with fear. And she would say, what you are listening to and believing is not true. And I had to consider what she was saying, and I had to make a decision, and I had to choose to do and really listen. And what I found in my life is this, like maybe you, most of us, have been in this place is that we're really good at giving, but we're not really good at stopping and listening. We're really good. I'd become excellent at, at helping people and telling people, this is how you fix it. But I never stopped to listen to the people that God put into my life. And the Holy Spirit had to slow me down and say, Andy, I need you to listen. Really listen. I care for you. 
I care for you. Listen to the people I put into your life. Listen to the word. Listen to the word. Listen. Listen. The next thing is this, is that I had to make a decision to not stop living and serving. To not stop living and serving. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 in the ESV version, it says this. This is Paul that's making just a very uh, powerful statement about something he endured in his flesh. It says this, but he said to me, that's the Lord. The Lord spoke to Paul and said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I had to understand something that even in spite of my pain that I was walking through, that I could not stop giving, serving from my gift and living. I could not stop. I could not stop. I want to just take a, a, a go a little bit deeper with this point here. Is that it, the, the objective of fear from the enemy's perspective is to knock you off your game. To get you from doing what you have been created and called to do. To lock you up. And even if it comes from offense, if it comes from pain, if it comes from any other, other place, the objective of the enemy is to get you not to give out of the gift that God has put in you that will benefit both the body and the world. He is, desires to knock you off of that. And the key in the midst of pain is understanding that we serve a God who is able to sustain us. And he is able to allow his grace to be abundant and sufficient in the place of our weakness so that we can continue to do what he has called us to do. And I'll even say this, that it's healing as well. There's a very interesting story in the Old Testament with Joseph's sons. Joseph, who, who got sold into uh, slavery and, and ended up becoming the second in in, in command of all of Egypt. Joseph had two sons, Manassas and Ephraim. And so these boys, when God restores Jacob and his brothers back to Joseph, and there's some very powerful things in there, some very powerful things about the perspective that Joseph had concerning his brothers and why God allowed everything to happen to him. His brothers were so scared. They were so scared when they realized that they were talking to the second in command of Egypt and he was their brother that they had sold into slavery. And they thought, surely he is going to kill us. And, and Joseph's response is just spot on this, this, this idea, this truth here that we can't stop serving and we can't stop giving out of the overflow of our life, the gift of God in our life, in spite of the pain. Because if anybody had a reason to stop, it was Joseph. But Joseph's response was this. Don't be upset. Don't be scared. It is God did this to me so that I could save your life. Whoa. So Joseph has two sons, Manassas and Ephraim. And Manassas means this. I will forget. I will forget. And Ephraim means I will be fruitful. Fruitful. So he sends him. Jacob is his father. Joseph's father is about to die. And he sends him. His boys before his father, Jacob, 
to bless Ephraim and Manasseh. Now we know the story of Jacob. Track with me here. Don't lose me. We know the story of Jacob that he stole the birthright from Esau, that he got the blessing of Isaac. He stole that off of his brother. His brother sold it to him, but the blessing that Isaac gave, he had to deceive his father to get. And God spoke to Jacob and turned him from a deceiver into Israel, a nation. He said, from you, I'm going to bless you. So the revelation of that you don't have to struggle, but God will bring you through, had filled Jacob's life. So we go to the place where he is about to bless Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And the oldest one gets the chief blessing, the right hand of blessing. And Jacob goes and draws the boys to his knee. And he busts the move that his dad bust on him. He goes, nah, blow. That's not in the in the, the Bible. The blow is not in the Bible. I just that's emphasis. He puts his right hand on Ephraim and his left hand on Manassas. And Joseph does the same thing. He says, nope, dad, you missed it. He tries to fix it. He goes, no, Manassas is the oldest, dad. It's, it's Ephraim. And he goes, no, I'm going to make Manassas. God's going to make Manassas a great, a great people too. He split the tribe between the two of them. But he said, Ephraim is going to get it. Let me tell you. See, Jacob learned something that Joseph understood, but it follows the character and the principle of God, is that God will make you fruitful before he makes you forget. Why? Because God can make you fruitful even in the place of your pain. And as God makes you fruitful in the place of your pain, what is going through your life, what is happening in your life, will become smaller and smaller and smaller. He is that good. He is that good. He is that good. Don't stop serving and giving. Don't stop serving and giving. And the last thing is this. Justin, you come on up, man. <clears throat> Establish firm markers of life. I touched on this at the beginning. And this is what I believe God is saying to Because we've been called to be a people who bring healing, the freedom into the world. And that doesn't mean that we're perfect people. Oh, no, no, no. That doesn't mean that we don't have a set of struggles. Nope. That doesn't mean that we don't have bad days and Good days. Oh, yes, we will have bad days and we will have good days. What it means is this, is that we understand the God who cares, who heals and delivers us. We understand that God. In the Old Testament, as Joshua took the, the Israelites across the Jordan, and God did for Joshua what he did for Moses when he parted the Red Sea. He, he stopped the, the, the flowing rivers of the Jordan, the scriptures tell us. And Joshua, the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, Joshua, here's what, here's what I want you to do. And it's the, really the first time that we see this in this fashion. It's not the only time. But Josh, the Lord tells Joshua, he says, have one person from each of the 12 tribes 
go in the middle of the Jordan as the waters are being, as the Ark of the Covenant is sitting there and as God is parting the, the waters of the Jordan. And you can imagine these walls of water onto their left and to their right. And he says, have one person from every tribe of the 12 tribes go in the middle of the Jordan and take a stone from there. And I want them to carry it over to the bank. And I want you to set up a memorial. And I want you to tell the people that this is what you're to remember every time you see this. That you serve the God who is powerful. The God who is able to part the Jordan. The God who helped you to cross over. That kept you, brought you over on dry ground. So that you might always fear the Lord. Now there's a tremendous amount of significance in there. And there's something that the Bible says in these, in these instances that are so beautiful. As it says this, that that marker is there to this day. Now you could walk to the exact place in Canaan, in Israel, where that took place. And those stones aren't there anymore. But that's not what the scripture is saying. What the scripture is saying is this. Is that that was an immovable marker for Israel. That any time they came into an impossible place, what they would say is they remember the God who crossed us over on the Red Sea as we exiled out of Egypt. And remember the God who crossed us through the Jordan into the promised land. And when you see the enemies, when you see fear, when you see these things, don't look into the eyes of fear, but, but look back to those stones and fear the Lord only. Fear the Lord only because he is able to deliver you. But Israel, this is what I want you to do is that when fear marches you backwards and pushes on you and pushes you backwards, and when you read the story of Joshua, this is what you see, is that they fought many, many battles. And sometimes they won and sometimes they lost. Sometimes they were gripped with fear and sometimes they marched boldly. But as they got backed up into fear, all they had to do was take a look at that heap of stones and say, that's right. See, because what a memorial mark is this, and this is what God had to do in my life and he may have to do in your life, is this. There are times that God confirms himself. There are times that he proves that he is true. And you have to establish a marker. One of the markers that I had to establish was this. Is that my peace would not be found in a blood report. I get my blood drawn all the time. But my peace isn't found there. Another thing. My peace isn't found in a person. It can't be. I love my wife. I love the people God's connected me to, and they have been put in my life like I've been put in their life to bring encouragement and to push me to the truth. But it's only God who can sustain my peace. And I had to establish a marker. And I want to tell you something, just in full honesty and vulnerability, there are days I get right up against those stones. And it's like I sit down on him, and I say, God, um, are you sure? And he's like, Andy, yes, I'm sure. I'm the God who did this in you. Don't move backwards. Don't move backwards. Move forwards.
Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you this morning. And I'll tell you this morning, if you're battling fear and you're battling and any of these things stuck out to you, don't, don't be afraid. You're not alone. You're not alone. And together, God has put us together as a church both to encourage and to love and to support each other on this journey that we've been called to, but in the place also that we can be strong enough to give out of the overflow of our life and just allow God to saturate our community with the truth of who He is, the love and the care that He has, to be salt and light, to be a people that that carry this message out as we see God's faithfulness, not from the place of perfection, and that's such a lie of the enemy that we have to figure it all out. And I don't even want to stand up here and, and blow smoke up your backside and tell you that I've got this all figured out. I don't. I don't. These are things that are part of my journey. The key word is journey. I'm still on it. But I want to tell you something that as God gives it to me, I want to give it to other people who are hurting and broken. I want to give it to you to say, listen, if you're bound in fear like I was, as sometimes fear tries to grip me again, I want to tell you you're not alone and our God is greater. I want to tell that to the person at Starbucks who's gripped with fear, the person at the corner store who's gripped in fear, I want to tell them that it's going to be okay because there is a God who cares. I want to tell it to the brokenhearted. Because there is a God who cares. Hmm. All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hmm. Hmm. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Just bow your heads. Hmm. This morning, if you are stuck in a place of fear, hmm. so the first thing I want to do is I just want to declare grace and mercy over you. Grace and mercy. Just rest in the name of Jesus. But if you're in a place where you felt gripped with fear, and you say, Today, I, I, I want to just invite the Holy Spirit in to begin to be, to lead me in the place of the, the understanding of His care that brings freedom, that begins to bring life. This is just a starting block. If that's you, with, with every head bowed, would you just slip up your hand really quick all over the place? All right, just a few people. All right. Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for the truth of who you are, the one who comes and, and heals us and sets us free. Lord, when we can't fight our own battles, when you, we can't 
come and we can't manage to, to get free, God. You, you, you come in and you become freedom for us. And God, I pray, Lord, right now for those who are in this place that, that you would begin just to release your peace in a brand new way that begins to bring comfort. God, as a church, that we would be a people, Lord God, that set a memorial stone in our lives, Lord, as, as, even as a fellowship, God, that say from this day forward, there are certain things that we're not moving backwards on. As Freedom Christian Fellowship, God, that we're not moving backwards on, on the truth of your goodness, on the truth of your peace, on the truth of your healing. But God, we're moving forward as a people of God that you've called to be to see those who are in captivity set free. Lord, we thank you for that. God, I just declare your peace over every person, Lord God, and where fear has gripped. Lord, if there is a need to destroy that, that, that lie that's become a stronghold, Lord God, we, we acknowledge that, we repent, we line up with your truth, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to begin to, to be peace, to be truth to us. God, I pray that you connect us in as a people that you connect us in, God, tighter and tighter, Lord. Let encouragement flow, Lord, from each one of us into, Lord, the people that need encouragement, Father God. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you for the peace that you give. Amen. 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 